This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. So here we are, season three of Driven by Data, the podcast. I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in and rejoin us. We've got some absolutely fantastic content coming your way. So all that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season three. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Cornelia Schaurecker, who is the Global Group Director of AI and Big Data at Vodafone. So, Cornelia, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for the lovely invite, Kyle. It's a pleasure. It's all right. I'm I'm just pleased that I uh, pronounced your name right. Uh, (laughs) Tricky about Austrian and German names, right? But Um, uh, well done. (laughs) I mean, who who am I to talk about names, really? Given my given my last name, but uh, but there you go. So where we always start, Cornelia, is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief introduction into their background and journey up Uh until this point in time, if you'd be so kind. Sure, absolutely. Well, I've been uh, in digitalization for a very long time, twenty three years, uh, most of the time in the automotive industry. So I'm probably one of the small handful of people who've worked for all Mercedes, Audi, Volkswagen Group, BMW, and within the Volkswagen Group with with many of uh, almost all of the brands. And um, yeah, and then uh, joined Vodafone almost four years ago, which is great. Uh, Telco is an amazing industry. Um, regarding the big data and AI topics, I had the pleasure to start in the automotive industry already 10 years ago. So that has been quite a journey. And, um, well, I've already revealed I'm Austrian. You see that I'm in red and white. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but this is uh, coincidental. And, um, as a person, I would, I'm a mother of two. I would uh, describe myself as a passionate people's person. It's all about the people, right? What's important to me is really the team. I'm absolutely a team player. I work in Agile. I'm a scrum master. I'm a pragmatic um, Austrian, if you like, uh, who tries to to deliver and uh, and who enjoys delivering with a great team. That's me. And, you know, having worked so much in the car industry for very strong cars, very often they compare themselves to the high-performance racing teams, uh, because there, everybody counts, right? This is not about myself. I would really lo- like to talk about the work we as a team have been doing, and uh, this is not my work; it's a teamwork, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a that's a great analogy, yeah, to to kind of the racing industry for sure. So obviously, yeah. most people will know um, Vodafone as a brand. I I think obviously we've got many listeners yeah. now across many different countries. So there might be some people out there that are not too familiar with Vodafone. So just give us a very high level Vodafone, who you are, what you do. Absolutely, sure. Well, Vodafone is um, probably everybody will know. We are the largest mobile and fixed operator in Europe. We've uh, got uh, probably the biggest and the fastest growing 5G network. We have a very big uh, TV platform across Europe. Uh, we've got roughly 300 million customers in mobile uh, and 27 million in, in fixed broadband, plus 22 million in TV. 
And of course, we've got also many other services. I think the most important one coming from the car industry is IoT. Um, I'd like to mention we, we've probably got one of the largest IoT platforms with roughly 120 million connected IoT devices. So we're wow. definitely uh, leading there. And uh, very important as well as our footprint is predominantly across Europe and Africa, plus around 50 partner markets worldwide. We are extremely good. Our African colleagues are uh, the leaders in fintech and in mobile payments. So mm -hmm. this is Vodafone. And so you, I, you... I got to learn, um, uh, I think Vodafone is all about the people as well, about the purpose, um, which is very important for us. So our background is not just green. We're doing a lot there as well. But I hope this gives a, a good overview. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, every day is a school day, right? Learning. I didn't yeah. realize that Vodafone was so into the the kind of IoT connection space, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, it's all about connecting the cars and all the other connected devices. And just imagine for me as a data lover and passionate about data and use cases, how, how interesting this data is uh, or the data we can potentially leverage. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so obviously you arrived at Vodafone four years ago. Just give us a bit of insight into your role and I guess the, the reason for you being there. What you know what what's the end goal in mind in terms of what you're being tasked with achieving for Vodafone? Yeah. So my role, I'm reporting directly to the chief commercial um global chief commercial officer. And uh, so my main task is really to provide business growth and uh, also helping cost savings, but really utilize our enormous data assets and our super skilled team to to help in the growth journey of Vodafone and um, well what that means is that uh, together as a team we've been building hundreds of use cases I don't want to mention one because then the other all the others will be not very happy with me but we've really delivered a couple of hundreds um, super good uh, use cases across our footprint wherever appropriate and wherever needed and across um, all the markets that I've mentioned before and, and also we are helping in the zero touch marketing vision to automate whatever appropriate together with the CMO, my colleague. And um, so it's really about commercializing the, well, I don't want to call it internet external data monetization, but really about, this is not just about technology, but really creating business impact with data. And, and another task we have is also to provide our markets with the best possible tools and capabilities from a group side. So uh, we are leading both the, the group and the market teams. We are a very close community. We are very closely working together to ensure we are we're building once and deploying many or not the other way around. And so we deliver lots of um, recommendations and standards as well. To give you one example is our AI policy with our AI ethics framework which of course we deploy everywhere and we developed as a group, if that gives some good examples, hopefully. And then uh, another important role, which is probably not in my job description, but we're doing it to, to ensure the best uh, collaboration with our stakeholders and with the business is to really provide the best appropriate um, training to the business, not just to our teams, but also to the business to show them what is possible with AI and ML and how we can best work together. And then, of course, um, I'm part of the Data Governance Co Committee. Um, so also we're doing a lot here together as a Data Governance Co team. Yeah, well, so so much to unpick there. And I'm sure we'll do that as we as we go through the, the kind of show today. So um, I guess just to frame the conversation for, for mm -hmm. the listeners, obviously, 
the topic of creating commercial impacts through data and analytics has become over the last 12 24 months probably the biggest most debated topic in our industry right Uh um so a couple of facets to this question but i guess first part in terms of your opinion what's the starting point if you were to give advice to any other data analytics leader who's looking to ensure that they can deliver commercial impact you know back to the the business what should that starting point be in order for them to be able to do that in in your opinion the starting point, very pragmatic, is don't boil the ocean, focus on the right priorities. Only then um, you can really be making sure you're doing the right things. Just imagine we've got a quite powerful team, but we can't do everything. So really it's about picking the right bets and then making sure it's not just a shiny, glitzy prototype. I really don't like them. It's really about uh, nailing the topic um, for the business, uh, try to answer the right questions with your AI use case, and then make sure you scale it. You know, a good use case for me is if it scales not just to in one market, but as many markets as appropriate to make sure we're using our scale as a business. So that is probably the starting point. But then a second topic I would like to say is uh, telco is all about speed. So it's really about time to market and speed. So you you can't be too academic there. You have to deliver really fast and then you have to scale fast because otherwise you're too late. Okay. Um, so um, I think those are very important topics. And then, of course, um, you, you've mentioned many times in your previous uh, podcast and and. Uh, I'm delighted uh, to to listen to my colleagues. So the, the, everybody has covered how scarce the talent is. So of course we want to make sure our talent, uh, our great team, are doing the right things, and we can automate all the non-meaningful topics of their work so that they can concentrate on the meaningful parts of their work, which is creating business impact. So for that reason, we're focusing a lot as a third topic on on automation. And probably the fourth topic I'd like to mention is partnering. You know, you can't cover everything. Uh, we are a telco provider and um, partnering is important to us. So we've chosen some of the best partners worldwide, for instance, Google, and worked with them directly to, to ensure we're leveraging their best and latest technology fast. Mm. Um Instead of building things on our own, you know, we'll be co-creating. Now, probably I forgot the last one is uh, transparency and measuring. You know, for the business, it's also very important to not just um, build the things, but also you have to measure and you have to continuously improve um, and and uh, create the transparency. Which use cases do you have? Where are they? How how can you share the code? How can you share the business results? How can you share the struggles and so on? So the lessons learned and how you overcame with them. And I think we've, we found solutions there as well. Um, so, you know, I hope this answers it right. But really, first of all, uh, I'd like to mention really to nail it, do the right things, and then all the rest unfolds. <laughs> yeah, so the, the right prior prioritization in alignment with the business objectives, basically. Yeah, makes exactly. perfect sense. Um, I guess just thinking out loud here, but do you think that your the reporting line in terms of you reporting to a chief commercial officer, mm-hmm. do you think that helps you in your ability to kind of, you know, bring that always back to the point of impact? Because I think that's what a lot of data leaders struggle with if they report to a CIO or a CFO, for example, right? You know, they probably don't have that that leader that thinks commercially about putting ROI on all of these initiatives. 
No, absolutely. You know, I've seen I've seen both uh, sides of of the story, and absolutely, it helps really. And uh, um, I'd like to thank our boss for his great support and uh, in those uh, AI and big data topics. I think I've worked uh, for many CIOs as well, and uh, I enjoyed that time. But I can really see the difference now in in the business to work not just with our boss um, as the global exco member uh, for for group commercial, but also the um, market colleagues, uh, the global uh, commercial leaders. We've got very close collaboration with them and their teams, and uh, you know we. The local teams, we've got the dotted lines, you know, uh, reporting lines. So uh, this is a global matrix where we really collaborate really intensively. And of course, very closely also collaborate with our um, colleagues in the IT department. They um, report to me dotted line, but it's not about reporting lines, to be honest. It's all about how you collaborate as a, as a very close community. And I think this is how it counts for us. Yeah, yeah, makes makes perfect sense. So, I mean, there's so much in everything you've said already, Connelly, within a, a couple of a couple of minutes. So, there's, there's certain things that I definitely want to get through. But you, mm-hmm. I guess I know that one of your big focuses has always been around people, as you said right at the start of this, and getting the right people around you, building the right types of teams to be able mm-hmm. to to deliver this impact. Um, so, I guess talk us through that journey from the point of when you arrived and I guess the steps that you took and the focus that you had to make sure that you built that kind of right capability internally. Uh So thank you for the question because I think this was really an important journey and it was not easy because we uh, imagine I started in 2019 thanks God just before pandemic (laughs) the continent Uh, so thanks God I had some some time to really land in Vodafone and um, we decided very quickly, uh, look, my boss and I, um, he supported me super well here. Uh, we decided uh, we need to strategically insource. So we really decided to create um, a very technical data science capability team uh, with bringing the best talents in from external uh, to add to our great internal teams that we already had. So we doubled the group team uh, within um, within one and a half, two years in two waves. So the first first um, insourcing happened in 2020. We found fantastic team uh, members, uh, really data scientists, but also product owners and MLOps experts. And, uh, you know, this really helped because we work in Agile uh, together with our business colleagues. And so this was really useful. Many of them onboarded before the pandemic or at the beginning of the pandemic, of course, all in digital. And, and this really helped us throughout the pandemic to be flexible, agile, and to really deliver from the comfort of our, of our homes most of the time. <laughs> also, of course, yeah. we brought, brought yeah. the teams together as, as much as we could. Mm. And, and then, you, uh, sorry. I was, was going to say, you've got a, a fairly large but global team now, right? Your team mm-hmm. spread all over all over the place. Yes, it's in almost 20 markets. So we've got the group team, and then we've, uh, we, we have our community across Europe and Africa. Um, in in almost 20 markets. And then we are also making sure we are sharing with our partner markets, whatever is um, asked. Yeah, I guess in terms of, because uh, you've probably heard me harp on about this, not just on this podcast, but on platforms like LinkedIn about the importance of 
getting that message right in terms of being able to attract mm-hmm. talent, right? So it's going to bring yeah. the right people in and get them excited about what you're yeah. trying to do and why it's different and innovative and, and things like that. Can you talk us through kind of, you know, your what what you did there in terms of, you know, how, how you went about doing that? Yes, sure. So so why should a data scientist want to join our team? First of all, I've been hiring data scientists since more than 10 years um, in the car industry and now in telco. And very often, one of the key topics why they want to join is, of course, the team uh, and also the data. They're very interested in the data. So I can say we can tick both boxes. We've got a lovely team, very skilled, but also fantastic people. And we've got amazing data. We really have enormous data assets. Um, so this is data heaven, data paradise. But then also, I think uh, data scientists really want to be visible. They want to be valuable and impactful. And this is one of the messages that you uh, also, I think, shared mm-hmm. yeah. in one of your last podcasts. So in terms of uh, visibility and really showing the impact, it's really great that we we could show lots of impact in, in a couple of really high profile use cases and then lots of local use cases, depending on the business demand. This is very important for a data scientist to really see his or her work in action, right? Yeah, absolutely. Be it in marketing or the next product, and so on. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that you've just validated what I've been preaching for a long time because that whole notion of, you know, data practitioners now wanting their work to be visible and valuable and add impact has become a real driver because there's been so many, um, you know, use cases where unfortunately that's not been the case and it really frustrates those types of people, right? So, um, and and it makes perfect sense given everything that you've said that, that you know Vodafone is an environment where that happens which which makes perfect sense um look I can I can give you great examples where our um where our CEO uh, Nick um for instance saw a use case and really took over the mouse sat in front of a laptop and and uh and looked at our dashboard our prediction dashboard in a in a very strategic area and then played around with the data and, and really um, the team loves that. And by the way, of course, the team was presenting that. It was not my presentation. I, I really wanted the data scientist and the product owner who built it deliver the presentation. And and this is really, I think, in terms of um, being an attractive for, for data science talent, it's really important that they can showcase what they build. Mm. Some other um, examples would be in building our great uh, group recommender platform or in, uh, I don't know, supporting the, the products of, of the future with um, data by design. And then you see the product, you can touch it and, you know, you've you've been included in that journey from the beginning of the date, uh, definition of what data do you need, how to get it and so on and so on. Mm. <laughs> what do you do with it? No, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, and a very good point, actually, right, to make sure that they're included and they're the people delivering the the presentation and the the kind of lines of communication once once the, the stuff has been built, which is interesting. Um, I want to move into the kind of tech the, the the technology and and kind of you know tools space because I know that's an area that obviously you've got a wealth of experience and done some really cool things at Vodafone on this side in terms of you know a huge focus has been for you creating a capability you know and I know that you talk often about you know building use cases quickly which you mentioned at the start and then you know automate as much as possible in order for it to be scalable and deployed quickly and easily. Um, 
I guess to start with that, why is it important to build use cases fast and and how have you used automation, you know, from the point of identifying the use case to getting it deployed? Well, as I said before, it, I've got the very good overview of the uh, car industry and how how the time cycles are roughly and and uh, telco and telco is really super fast. So so we have to be super fast. And in order to be super fast, we had to take all the bottlenecks out and we had to try and automate whatever is possible. And let me give you a couple of examples. First of all, we had to do a cloud migration. So we migrated every possible market. Some of them we couldn't for some whatever reasons, but every possible market um, migrated to the cloud to have the data there. Second, we said, okay, we don't want to stop there. Uh, we would really love to leverage that data and leverage Google's um, amazing capabilities in, in terms of algorithms and you know status quo, latest um, latest uh, technology. So we we built a platform we call AI Booster. It's an MLOps platform. And our um, intention is to do two things. It's horizontal and vertical scaling. So what does that mean? What we really want to do is, first of all, um, from from cradle to grave of a, of a use case, of course, it needs to be um, super fast and efficient. So it, to give you some examples, in the past, for a big use case, it could have taken us a couple of months to build it. And we brought that time down to, I don't want to promise too much, but probably down to a couple of weeks. Some models we can build in days, of course, but it really depends on a business problem we're solving. But just imagine how, how much speed you can gain with that automation and how much faster you can go from the starting point into production. And then the second topic is really the, the scaling between the markets. So wherever we have a similar business demand, um, what if we just scale the assets or break them down? You know, we're big fans of containerizations and, you know, modularization. But what if we break it down and then scale whatever is possible? And still, of course, there are local topics that, that have to be adapted, but really um, make sure we act as a tech comms company with as much as standardization and automation and, and really taking those um, bottlenecks out wherever possible to give you examples, for instance, security um, topics or other topics to get an instance live. We can do that so much faster now. Uh, containerization, I I mentioned, um, yeah, there are plenty of other examples, but I hope that gives you a flavor of, of what we're doing and why we're doing that and also how. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So I guess from there then, Cornelia, how did you ensure that it's scalable because i think the scalability conversation is really fascinating mm -hmm. right there's i guess there's a lot of great use cases that happen often in isolation but mm -hmm. getting the balance right of building something that then scalable across the multiple markets or domains of the business as you mentioned um, is mm -hmm. often a, a very different thing um fantastic question and again here i would like to not just ask uh, answer that from a technical side but really start with the commercial bit so from my experience even if you have all the technology right you can you can end up not being scalable so for that reason i really focus on the first burning topic which is does the business use case scale in some to give you some examples in some markets we are prepaid more prepaid in some markets we are more postpaid so of course, then um, not everything scales to everywhere, but what we try and do is to ensure where we have a potential to scale from the business side that we really align with the business stakeholders as much as possible 
And then another topic really is modularization. So we don't need to build them one model that fits all. We would like to break down our models um, into the different um, sub-models and then a market can pick and choose and uh, build a use case library with all the data assets. So more or less, this is like if you go to a restaurant and pick your menu, depending on your mm -hmm. business need. And, and then, of course, uh, all the underlying technology, I've mentioned the cloud, I've mentioned our AI booster platform based on Google's Vertex AI, and all these topics are ensuring that we uh, that we are really building once uh, wherever possible and then scaling many and not the other way around. Mm, yeah, that's a really interesting analogy of creating a, a menu, right? That's, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, I've never really thought about it like that. It's fascinating. Um I know, obviously, some of the the kind of real big use cases that you and mm -hmm. the team have done at Vodafone have come from a marketing standpoint. A lot of you know great marketing initiatives, um, mm -hmm. the AI everywhere strategy that you're currently in the the midst of. Just talk us through the reason of why that strategy exists, and I guess the role that you and the team mm -hmm. have played thus far in helping the org to you know the organization to realize commercial value at scale via that strategy? Well, we, I, when I joined in 2019, we also started with a strategy. We called it Big Data and AI Strategy uh, 2025. And we gave it the name AI Everywhere. And it, it's uh, you can break it down to three uh, main pillars. One is about being real-time, wherever appropriate and meaningful. One is about scaling. And the third is really, this is not just about marketing. AI, the potential of AI is really across the entire value chain. And coming from a car industry, I could tell you so many use cases that have not been built yet for Telco, but where that data is there and where you could have potentially have the value to an mm -hmm. opportunity to, to scale the concept of the use case, you know. And then we've got... Um, Supporting um, bits of the strategy, for instance, I mentioned data by design, uh, others are privacy by design, ethics by design, and many more, which is um, really in the heart of our strategy and which we want to, to build into every use case by design. And why is this important? You know, with the upcoming EU AI Act, we, we all have to be ready and um, we make, need to ensure that that the um, entire company, wherever AI is bought, created or sold, is is ready for for that AI act. So this was back in 2020 when we got the um, strategy aligned with our exco uh, in the middle of the or at the starting point of the pandemic, and now we are really in full swing of the implementation in 2023. That's why we called it 2025. So we got, of course, uh, there is a still room for, for further delivery of further use cases, but I'm already very proud of, of what we've delivered so far as a team. Nice, nice. Uh, I know that um, from a personalization perspective, that's been a big focus for, for Vodafone. I know you've used um, some partners to kind of, you know, look at the the one-to-one -one kind of personalization. Just talk mm -hmm. us through your experience with that, because that's, a, again, a Another fascinating topic that divides um, divides the community. Well, uh, personalization is very important for our customers, for um, for um, the households to get the best potential offers from our side. So it's really important for us to understand uh, households and to understand their needs. And every household, every customer is different, and and really, it's about coming up with the best potential offers. 
for that, we've uh, worked. Uh, we've been working closely with my colleague, the CMO, um, in in order to really have an well um, to support the vision towards uh, an end-to-end -end automated um, big data and AI supported CBM activity across the channels. Mm. Um, you've mentioned other tools. Yes, we're using Pega as a company. So if you like, we're utilizing our big data and AI to infuse that into the brains of Pega. And, and then it's about orchestration. And, um, and again, it's also about um, experimenting, trying out, measuring, and then improving, you know, with uh, A-B testing and everything. Mm. And the last topic I'd like to mention is really we've created a, a KPI together where we're measuring in every market how automated we are. <laughs> and, and we've been focusing on that quite a lot. So not just automated, but end-to-end -end automated and what else there, uh, can be done in, in every market. And we, we're working jointly together there. Yeah. Is is the automation, is the driver behind the automation speed to market? Is that the key thing for you or is it more efficiency or is it a combination of factors? Right. You know, with 300 uh, million mobile customers, it's it's really, you, you know, it's it's got to be the right channel, right tonality, right offer and so on. Uh, and you've got to measure that. And uh, yeah. we've, we've built a group a household recommender together. Uh, which we started in in many markets uh, already, and we are planning to, to bring that to all the markets. And um, this is really proving very good business impact. Yeah, nice, makes makes sense. Um, so I also know that you are Vodafone's global AI policy champion, right? And mm -hmm. you you and the team have developed and implemented a, a global AI policy i guess i'm mm -hmm. keen to get your thoughts because i know this is an area that you're also very passionate about but the importance of ai ethics and then you know on after that kind of why and how you went about implementing this this policy yes of course so why is um ai governance and ai ethics important with, with our 300 million customers um, it's very important that whatever we build uh, or buy in terms of AI or sell in terms of AI, it needs to be ethical, it needs to be transparent, it needs to be fair. Um, and uh, there is a framework already since many years. Um, the, the it was delivered, I think, in 2018 already. It's on the website. You can have a, have a look at it. Um, and this is really the policy is, is really supporting um, the delivery of the framework, but also getting us ready for the uh, EU AI Act. And um, I think key is, again, the, the execution together with all our markets. It's great to have a policy, but also it's very important that that uh, the markets are in the boat and uh, every data scientist knows what to do pragmatically, you know, um, from, from the beginning of a use case, how to, what to do for... Um, for self-assessment, a risk self-assessment, and then it's all about following the process. And we've got eight controls defined. Um, have a look at the website. A lot is defined there. And I'm very proud. Um, this has been a team effort of a relatively small team. Um, I'm very proud that uh, the work has been um, regarded as good so far. And, you know, it's not completely done because even the, the EU AI acts, uh, some topics are still evolving. So we are working very closely, making sure we have the best, but also pragmatic approach. Yeah. So one topic, for instance, is training uh, to, to not just make, ensure that the data scientists are aware of all of that, but another exercise, which 
we're working on is really to ensure that um, that we provide trainings to the business. How do you get the balance right between, you know, trying to experiment, experiment and innovate mm-hmm. whilst also mm-hmm. kind of keeping the whole AI ethics at the front of your mind? Because I guess for a business your size that you have so many customers, so many different markets, some will be ruled by certain regulations within certain geographies, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure it's a, a complicated kind of um, complicated thing to, to kind of navigate. Yeah, and I think, you know, in terms of AI ethics, probably there are much more other companies where um, the risk is much higher. So if you look at the finance industry, for instance, or self-driving cars, I, I would say in the risk pyramid that exists, and if you look at uh, McKinsey or BCG or Bain, they all have similar approaches with risk pyramids where you classify your use cases. Uh, there, only a very small amount of use cases are really significant risk. All the others are medium to very low risk. So, you know, I think one, it's also very important to give our data science community um, the opportunity to to really make sure we don't have the same um, procedure for each and every use case, um, because then we would end up being uh, bureaucratic and, you know, too much of a, it it really needs to be spot on for every use case. That's why it really starts with the self-classification and then we've got all the processes established, um, what happens, you know, depending on the risk category. And very often you will find your use case, for instance, in a network area is a very relatively low risk in terms of, you know, ethical decisions compared yeah. to if you're a bank and you're giving a loan to somebody and this um, this has an impact on their house, on their car, on whatever, uh, you know. Or just imagine you sit in a self-driving car and, and all these well-reported things can happen, like they have already happened Um I think those use cases are, you won't find so many of these use cases in our area than in the other industries or several other industries. Yeah, no, that makes um, that makes perfect sense. So, look, conscious of time, but I've got uh, uh, three more questions to ask you. Hopefully, before we uh, before we kind of um, call it a day. Um, mm-hmm. On the topic of you know doing the right things and mm-hmm. you know ethics and stuff like that, just talk us through the big data and AI for social good initiative that you're involved in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very good question, and uh, I think it connects very well to your first question: is how to attract and keep the best talent we've got amazing people and and they also want to give back and so we decided that uh, many of us in in our spare time work on work on uh, topics where we can bring in our skills but this is not in our main working time it's more in in our spare time and I'd like to mention I've inherited an amazing um, project that was done by my um, predecessor with the Bill Gates Foundation in the area of malaria uh, which is the biggest killer, by the way. So we have we have continued to work on that. And then COVID struck uh, the countries and, and Europe and uh, very fast. I was very happy that we had an epidemiologist in my team sitting in Paddington. So we were really ready and well, uh, well prepared for the pandemic without even knowing it. But we really uh, had the opportunity to set up these agile teams and, and really support there. When we got all the questions coming from the um, the first governments, you know, Italy, Spain, um, and and then the EU Commission to to support and and we've supported really a lot uh, through the throughout the pandemic. In on the one hand with data, on the other hand in in you know in our work 
which we did uh, in the prediction of movements, which is very um, important in with every you know movement prediction. That, that's the same with malaria, the, the similarity, you know. Um, and and then further studies came with the IMF and and so on, the World Bank. Um, and now, as we have, uh, thanks God, the, the pandemic has hopefully, uh, hopefully, almost uh, calmed down. We have started to work in the green topics. You know, um, our UK team came up with a fantastic um, use case um, in terms of uh, energy saving, which is very spot on in those times. And um, what we're trying is to really um, bring the lessons learned and as much as possible in terms of. Uh, the knowledge, but also leverage some of the the algorithms and so on to to other markets wherever appropriate and needed. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 really interesting, and um, yeah, I think a very good reminder. Obviously, you know, we talk about visible, valuable, and impactful um, yeah. often in the context of the work we're delivering for the businesses that we we work for, but actually, you know, um, there's many many people out there that are also now looking at what employers are doing in things like, you know, social good and sustainability and carbon footprint, that does play a, a massive um, part in, you know, the decision that someone makes to who they work for, which is uh, really interesting. Um, yeah. And can I just say, we don't have a huge team there. So unfortunately we don't do that, but we do give everybody the opportunity to engage in those topics. And and this is great. So we can scale up and down if you like, which we've shown in, in COVID. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, question yeah and and that's the that that's the, the the important thing right it's that the ability to be able to offer someone you know okay it's not going to be your full-time job but it's yeah. you know you can get involved in looking at some of this stuff um which is is really interesting um so one of the major topics in our industry cornelia is as you'll know right is you know you, you get a lot of negative press around how much how many data analytics initiatives don't add the value that they were expected mm-hmm. to add and you know the, the usual culp- culprits there are things like culture and literacy and therefore a lack of adoption and and things like that how have you navigated that topic uh, in such a large business like Vodafone let me bring three examples um one is stakeholder management one is uh, one is literacy and one is training. And, um, you know, um, in terms of stakeholder management, I'm very proud we even got a Data IQ award for that uh, in how well we've managed uh, multiple stakeholders across many, many countries. So I think it's really very important, back to my first answer, how to deliver business impact is really to answer the right questions and not to boil the ocean. So it's really about talking to my key colleagues in trying to find out what are the biggest business topics they want us to work on, um, first of all. Then um, in terms of um, training and literacy, well, we have trained all of our data scientists globally. Um, We've done a lot of training, and I'd like to thank Google there as well for their massive support. Um, But also we've trained the business and we've trained uh, colleagues who work on AI outside our departments. And the third one is uh, literacy. And um, I'd like to give you some examples. What we're doing here is really we're training the entire business um, in terms of showing the examples of um, what AI can do in terms of delivering value. Vodafone has some very great um, opportunity for everybody. It's called Vodafone Spirit Day. It's a learning day. And this happens um, 
about four or five times a year where you you're supposed to to learn something new you're not supposed to go to meetings but really you have time to focus on your learning and for that my team and i we have uh, provided a couple of trainings um already on on ai which are there and recorded and you know uh everybody can learn about use cases on the one hand technology on the other hand and then together with our partners we we offer a lot of more training really depending on what each individual needs mm, yeah absolutely if we think about the conversation that we've had for the last you know 40 45 minutes um obviously you you've laid out a number of key kind of points and initiatives that you've that you're that you're currently in the midst of and doing and have delivered for the business that have resulted in mm-hmm. kind of you know commercial impact that you can pinpoint and say you know here's here's what we've done here's here's the benefits for the business from that how do you how do you tie all of that together in terms of you know the the team the tech the automation the scalability the you know the the ai ethics the everything we've spoken about how do you kind of bring all that together into kind of one message because i guess ultimately that's what you've probably been doing internally right in terms of your job no, thank you. I think uh, the team and I, in the last four years, we have really implemented a step change in how we leverage our big data and AI capabilities um, for, for the best use for our customers, our shareholders, our company. Um, and we've delivered so much in terms of use cases. I've mentioned the hundreds of use cases, but also strategic capabilities, starting with the best possible team, working on the really latest technology, which is really leading edge. We are the first and largest telco on that Google AI Vertex platform, to give you an example. I know others are working on that too, but we are the first one in our scale, which gives us a competitive advantage, to be honest. Um, And um, apart from that, we are a really lovely team. Um, We enjoy the collaboration in this community, and this is what counts. And and I'm also proud, whenever we have time, we, we can give something back as well, whenever it's needed, you know. Give a good summary. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think um, I think it's it's really interesting, right? But evidently, you know, you and your team have obviously done a, a fantastic job, um, and there's been, you know, a whole host of things that are also working in your favor favor in terms of you know working for a, a commercial business line that certainly helps you know to quantify some of this stuff uh, as well which is is really interesting um and i think you know it's it's very hotly debated in terms of where data and analytics should sit right within within a lot of businesses now it's still still kind of a thing that's always always being discussed at various events and various podcasts and things like that so um so yeah look Cornelia, we absolutely appreciate your time thank you so much for giving us you know 45 50 minutes to come on and, and share uh, the vodafone journey and um yeah we look forward to seeing how the rest of your time there unfolds <laughs> thank you so much kyle and i'd like to thank you but also really th- like to thank my team and our stakeholders where we're really working together very closely and we couldn't have delivered all these you know uh, growth and revenue um, advantages and also cost advantages um, without any of them. So, so really, thank you so much for, for everybody who has helped so far on this journey. And yeah, um, thanks, Kyle, to you and your team. No problem at all. Well, what a great way to end. Thanks, Cornelia. Speak soon. <laughs> Speak soon. Bye. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, 
Please follow our Bishon group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. <laughs>